Welcome to the National Community Church Podcast. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you from Dr. Mark Batterson. You can find us on national.cc or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. In the 6th century AD, Benedict of Nursia was studying in Rome. When he pulled a Bill Gates, he pulled a Steve Jobs, he quit school, got off the grid, and moved into a cave. Inspired by the desert fathers, Benedict lived as a hermit in his man cave for three years. That's when and where he got a vision for communities called monasteries. Founded a dozen monasteries, and those monasteries had a rule of life. Can you say it with me? Rule of life. In 529 AD, rule of Saint Benedict became the code of conduct. Uh, It was 73 principles and practices that functioned as guardrails and guidelines for those monasteries. And can I just say, my personal favorite is Rule 53. That if you're fasting and someone knocks on your door, you can break your fast and eat with them. I'm a pastor, not a monk, okay? And so hospitality uh, trumps fasting as a value in that rule of life. Well, I wanna say welcome to National Community Church, all of our campuses, everyone online, so thrilled that you're here. Uh, Today, we begin a new series called Rule of Life. Now, the Latin word for rule is regula. It's referred to a trellis employed by gardeners, by vintners to lift limbs for two primary reasons. One, to protect them from predators, and two, to maximize fruitfulness. I want you to hold that thought. And I think a lot of people, and it might be true of you, have an adverse relationship with rules. They think that they constrict our lives or maybe constrict some of our, our freedom, but I want you to hear this. Rules are our friends. And we have rules for everything. We, we have rules of the road. Aren't you grateful? Some of you have a 16-year-old who just got a driver's license. We need rules of the road. They safeguard us. Uh, We have uh, rules for games. In fact, you can't really play without rules. Who who knows who wins or loses? We have rules for grammar, I before E, except, come on. We have house rules. We have the rule of law. A rule of life consists of core values, core beliefs, and core practices. It's rituals and routines. It's decisions and disciplines. It's boundaries and priorities by which we live our lives. And so over the next six weeks, uh, we are going to unpack the book of James. And I'm kind of excited this weekend because we got our in-house artist, Lionel Daniels, painting. Uh, At the end of the message, we're gonna have some sketch notes that are pretty cool that we'll share with you. But you can find all of the resources for this series, ncc.re slash rule of life. In fact, uh, we even have an opportunity for you to create your own rule of life. You can meet me in the book of James. But if I had to kind of paraphrase uh, in a few phrases, James is just do it. James has a bias for action. In fact, there are more 
imperative verbs in the book of James by concentration than any other book in the New Testament. Uh, Faith is as faith does. James is go set ready. If Jesus is perfect theology, yes, James is practical theology. Is is it all right if I riff for a second? Uh, I'm just warming us up, okay? Most of us are educated way beyond the level of our obedience already. We need to know more, but even more than that, we need to do more with what we know. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. Anything less is virtue signaling. James is use it or lose it. Faithfulness is fruitfulness. At the end of the day, okay, God the Father is not gonna say, well said. (laughs) Well planned, well fought, well posted. (laughs) No, 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 God is gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. James is long obedience in the same direction. Now, in all fairness, okay, a lot of academics criticize James for having no theology, okay? And you're not gonna find a lot of pneumatology or eschatology or Christology. Martin Luther, Luther famously uh, uh, referenced it as the straw uh, epistle. But, but here's my take. I think, I think sometimes, and I love education, love academics, okay? I, I spent a little bit of time, in, a lot of time in seminary. <laughs> but I think sometimes... You can get into the letter of the law and miss the spirit of the law. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? That you can miss the forest through the trees. James isn't trying to give us a systematic theology, which is an oxymoron anyways. He's giving us a practical theology. It's less ivory tower, it's more blue collar. It's less book smarts, more street smarts. And I would say that the book of James comes as close as you can get to a rule of life. Now, my job as a pastor is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. (laughs) And James is so good at this. Uh, James 4, 17, if you know the good you ought to do, but don't do it, for you it's sin. What I'm getting at is this. Would you get into this book and would you let it work you over a little bit? Um, Because... James, straight shooter, he says what he means and he means what he says. By the way, best guess, James, check this out, probably half-brother of Jesus, okay? He was uh, first bishop of Jerusalem and known as James the Just because of his practical piety. And so with that as a little bit of a backdrop, let's giddy up and go, verse one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Well, the church is scattered because persecution against the church has broken out. Uh, The diaspora, believers here, there, and everywhere. I wanna tell you something. I've been in a catacomb in Rome. That's where the early Christians worshiped at risk of their lives. So we talk about persecution. We talk, listen, do you know, Earliest creed of the church, three words, Jesus is Lord. Sounds simple enough. No, it was, a, it was a coup d'etat against Rome because on their coinage, it said Caesar is Lord. 
And the church pushed back and said, no, Jesus is Lord. And so you've got these believers worshiping at risk to their lives. One thought on verse one, awfully short introduction. And I kind of like this about James because here's what it tells me. Have you ever, would you agree with me? There's nothing less impressive than someone who's trying to impress everyone. And there's nothing more impressive than someone who's not trying to impress anyone. James isn't trying to impress, he doesn't play the brother of Jesus card. Like, I don't know, I would probably, he, he doesn't, he's just like, he, here, here it is in a nutshell, it's not about me. Would you turn to your neighbor and just say, it's not about me. Say it with a little more conviction. I am not the hero of the story. You are not the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. Let me prime the pump. I'm gonna share a lot of rules of life during this series and that you have permission to beg, borrow, and steal. You know, I sometimes jokingly say I'm 17.2% Dick Foth. You know, he's a spiritual father. I have hacked his habits. I have watched his life. I see how he converses. I see how he asks questions. And I'm not as good, but I picked up a few things or two. Rules of life don't happen in a vacuum. We have rules of life as a church, but you gotta figure out what are those rules that you're gonna live your life by. And so I'm just gonna throw a, a few out. Does that sound okay? We're warming up the engine. I reserve the right to get smarter later. Thank you to my friend Doug Fears, uh, former Homeland Security Advisor to the President who manages crisis in his sleep. He said, I reserve the right to get smarter later. That has become a rule of life as a leader. I wanna be famous in my home. Thank you, Jeffrey Portman. First one that said that. And then for me, success is when those who know me best respect me most. Uh, change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. That one we share all the time. Uh, I love this one, Erwin McManus. Don't let an arrow of criticism pierce your heart unless it first passes through the filter of scripture. Now I kind of took that and kind of riffed on Proverbs 26, two back to back. Here, here's my take. A compliment from a fool might be an insult. And an insult from a fool might be a compliment, okay? You gotta consider the source. True wisdom has two sides. Check your ego at the door. Catch people doing things right. Brag about people behind their back. Criticize by creating. These are rules of life. Two more, real quick. If you stay humble and stay hungry, nothing that God cannot do in you or through you. Oh God, give us a humility. Give us a hunger. I'm gonna pray it over us. God, give us an insatiable hunger for your word that no sermon can satisfy in Jesus' name. I'll give you one more. Pray like it depends on God and work like it depends on you. Listen, we launched House of Prayer this last Thursday night, unbelievable. Can I extend an invitation? Thursday nights, capital turnaround, seven o'clock. We're gonna press in and pray through. Why? Because when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. Prayer is how we write history before it happens. 
All right, we're gonna get into this. Uh, I wanna share seven rules of life as it relates to trials and tribulations, but these really double as what I would call joy rules. But I wanna preface it with this. Um, James 1, verse two. And this is crazy to me, okay? Like one verse and then bam, because I don't know how you start conversations. Don't you warm up for like the harder conversations a little bit? James is zero to 60 in one verse. How you doing? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I love the way, he, he, uh, you know what it reminds me? Remember that, that Seinfeld uh, episode about close talkers? <laughs> I think James was a close talker. Like, I'm not gonna pull any punches. Let's just get down to business. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because there's an end product. See, we pray for God to change our circumstances, but sometimes those are the circumstances that God is using to change us. Lord, change my spouse. Lord, change my boss. Change my situation. No, God, change me. Change me. Seven rules, but I, I, there's this false thought that God is somehow some cosmic killjoy. Are you kidding me? Nothing could be further from the truth. There is nothing that you enjoy that is not a gift from God. And so G.K. Chesterton said it this way, and, and then we'll dive into these seven rules. The more I considered Christianity, the more I found that while it established rule and order, the chief aim, the chief aim of that order was to give room for good things to run wild. Whoo! I, am I, the, I like that a lot. That might be one that's worth remembering. These rules give us room for good things to run wild. All right, here we go. Number one, this is the hardest one. Okay, I'm gonna give you the hardest one first. Some of you may not like it, but I'm gonna explain it. One, joy is a choice. That's hard to say, and that's hard to hear. I'm not making light of the pain and suffering you have walked through. All of us have burdens to bear. Everyone fighting a battle that we know nothing about. But the reality is this. Two people can go through the same circumstance and one of them becomes bitter and one of them becomes better. See, it's not our experiences that make us or break us. Let me reach back to something I said a few weeks ago. Don't play God when things go good. And don't play victim when things go bad. It's not our experiences, it's our explanation of those experiences, and that's why scripture is so important, because we filter life through God's inspired word. James Houston said, mature individuals do not resent correction. 
They identify, why? Because they identify more with their long range selves that profit from correction than with their momentary self that is being advised. Who do you identify more with? Kind of my comfort right here, right now? Or God, who do you want me to become? It's interesting, James 1, 9 and 10, believers in humble circumstance ought to take pride in their high position. Wait, what? And then he flips the coin. The rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like a wildflower. You know what I've learned? Cancer doesn't check your bank account. Divorce doesn't check your bank account. Anxiety and depression don't, don't check how much you have in the bank, okay? Um, we tend to think of the will of God as circumstantial, but it is attitudinal. First Thessalonians 5, 16, 17, and 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Easier said than done, but joy is a choice. Now, I wanna lean in a little bit, okay? Because... Don't blame yourself for things you can't control. That's a recipe for regret. I think some of you need to hear what I'm about to say. It's not your fault. Pastor Mark, what are you, what are you talking about? I was praying for you this week, praying for a revival of joy. I felt like the Lord impressed on me. I think some of us subconsciously, we blame ourselves for our parents' divorce. We blame ourselves for our spouse's infidelity. You can fill in the blank with a hundred other things. I know there's nothing that's not complicated, but you know what? If you start blaming yourself for things you didn't do, choices that other people make, you're gonna be in a world of hurt. Am I in the right room? Now, having said that, I wanna say this. You may not be responsible, but you are response-able with a hyphen. You can choose your response anyway, anyhow. So I'm asking God, God, would you give us the grace today? Would you give us the courage today to choose joy? Two, do the next thing. Elizabeth Elliot, wife of martyred missionary Jim Elliot, uh, said that she had a rule of life, and the rule of life was this, cherish the adversity. Why? Because she said that in her experience, it was adversity when she experienced intimacy with the Lord. Anybody else? You don't have to sabotage yourself. You don't have to like it. All I know is it's in adversity that sometimes I experience an intimacy with the Lord. You can't experience any other way. Elizabeth said, suffering is never for nothing. But you can't shortcut the chrysalis, can you? It's the only way that caterpillar is gonna become a butterfly. Sometimes God delivers us from, but more often than not, God delivers us through. Why? So we can help someone who's on the other side of our hurt and get them through. Uh, if you find yourself in a tough spot, love this rule of life, okay? Elizabeth Ellis, do the next thing. Here it is, and I'll, I'll let her unpack it. I don't know any simpler formula for peace, for release 
from stress and anxiety, then that very practical, very down-to-earth word of wisdom, do the next thing. That has gotten me through more agonies than anything else I could recommend. How many of you needed that this weekend? Do the next thing. There's something, there's some situation, yeah. Some of us, it's counseling, yeah. Some of us, it's coming to an altar. Some of us, it's a confession. It's a hard conversation. It's a hard decision. It's filling out an application. It's canceling a subscription. Maybe, just maybe, it's surrendering your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Do the next thing. Three, your focus determines your reality. Now, let me talk this out. We've got a lot of parents, a lot of kids. Laura and I, we've been there, done that. Our kids are a little bit older, but you never stop parenting, <laughs> okay? But in the early days, we had these rules, family rules, if you will, family values, and uh, I'll give you a few of them for free. <laughs> when you mess up, fess up. Uh, here's one we put on a post-it, put on our mirror. Choose your battles wisely. Parents, you, you, if you try to fight every battle, that's gonna be hard. Uh, here's one. If you drop your keys in a river of molten lava, let them go, man, because they're gone. <laughs> yes, it is a Jack Handy deep thought, but it came in handy, pun intended. Um, but, but here, here is the one. Your focus determines your reality. Now, this is what Qui-Gon said to Anakin Skywalker. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. Okay, I wanna, I wanna love on you this weekend because if you're looking for something to complain about, you will always find it. I find it fascinating. The Israelites in the wilderness and they start complaining about manna. Wait, 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 back up the bus for a second. Because I think, am I reading it right? Manna, manna was a miracle. Breakfast in bed every morning. And you're complaining about breakfast in, you're, you're complaining about a miracle. Can you believe those Israelites? Because we would never do, do that. Come on, friends. Is marriage a miracle? Are kids a miracle? Is the human body a miracle? Is not life miraculous? Have you ever complained about any of those things? Maybe, just maybe, we need to shift our focus. Now, years ago, I had one of those travel experiences just turned into a catastrophe. We were flying cross-country, Laura and I. Uh, flight delayed, which then meant flight canceled, meant we were rerouted, had to go to New York instead of D.C., had to rent a car for more than the price of the plane ticket, drive through the night to D.C., and it was just, it was not fun. But at some point in the middle of that trip, I, I turned to Laura, I shrugged my shoulders, and this has become a rule of life in the Batterson family, okay? I shrugged my shoulders and said, Beats a covered wagon. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Like, we get all bent out of shape, right? 15-minute delay? 
Come on. This is going to fly us all the way across the country. 600 miles an hour at 30,000 feet. The guy reclined his seat the whole time. It's terrible. I forgot my bucky, my bucky. Couldn't nap on the plane. Tell that to someone who did the Oregon Trail in a covered wagon. Now what we just did, and this is kind of fun, uh, in psychology, it's called a downward counterfactual. And, and it's a little bit of a Jedi mind trick. One way to fix things in a hurry is to just remind yourself of how it could be worse. But let me say this. Uh, joy isn't getting what you want, and this is number four. Joy is appreciating what you have. See, we think that the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is greener over the septic tank. I work hard on this stuff. I want to make sure you thoroughly enjoy it. We think more money is going to solve our problems. No, no, notorious B.I.G. More money, more problems. Joy is not eat, drink, and be merry. That's called waking up the next morning with a hangover. No, joy is not getting what you want. There's an old equation. Happiness equals expectations minus reality. I'm not saying you necessarily lower your expectations, okay? Uh, because I think faith sanctifies our expectations so that we dream big, pray hard, think long. Show me your dreams, I'll show you the size of your God, right? But, but here's the thing. I think if you think that marriage is going to resolve the loneliness or resolve the lust, that's a false expectation. Craig Barnes said, the secret to intimacy with another person is discovering the sufficiency of God's love without that person. See, if you need that person to fulfill all of your needs, you're asking them to play God and ain't nobody good at that. We find our sufficiency in Christ and now we bring our whole selves to that Marriage. One more false expectation. I think some of us think life should get easier, easier when we follow Jesus. Now, listen to me. In one sense, it should get less complicated because you're not dealing, hopefully, hopefully, with as many consequences of sin. Like, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. Come on. When you live with integrity, you don't have to look over your shoulder. Yeah, there's gonna be false accusations, sure. You're gonna get baited, trolled, can't, sure. But, but here's what I've learned. The blessings of God will complicate your life. But it'll complicate it in the way it should be complicated. Okay, when Laura and I got married, it complicated her life. Trust me. 
praise God for 30 years of complications, baby. Woo! Give me those complications. We have three complications named Parker, Summer, and Josiah. I can't imagine my life without those complications. Mm. Mm -mm. We gotta make sure our expectations are in alignment with God's word, period. Joy isn't getting what you want. Joy is appreciating what you have. According to the Talmud, if you fail to give thanks for something, it's as if you have stolen it from God. Some of us guilty of shoplifting, Others, grand larceny. I don't know who said this first, and I mean this with all due respect, but the worst moment for an atheist is when they are truly thankful and have no one to thank. It's all from God, and it's all for God. I wanna tell you today, joy is not just an emotion, joy is a person, and his name is Jesus, and he gives beauty for ashes. And he gives the oil of joy for mourning and he gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> Number five, you can't spell testimony without test. Now the Greek word here for trial uh, Perosmos, it, it means proof of concept. It's beta, God is beta testing you. See, all of us want a miracle. We just don't want to be in a situation that necessitates one, but you can't have one without the other. All of us want a testimony without the test, but you can't have one without the other. When Laura went through first bout with cancer, read this poem that posed the question, what have you come to teach me. See, what I'm, what I'm interested in today is you becoming mature and complete, not lacking anything in Christ. And I'm born with this. I shed so many tears this week. NC Seer, 88 years old, goes all the way back to the school days. Past, know where he is. I mourned with other people this week. There's a time to mourn, time to laugh, there's a time for, for everything. I'm not saying we shortcut the negative or what we sometimes perceive as negative emotions because tear ducts are a gift from God, yes? Grieving means we loved someone or something. This is a good thing. But somehow, some way, we gotta get through that test so that we can get that testimony. The obstacle, it's not the enemy, the obstacle is the way great faith, said Smith Wigglesworth, is the product of great faith. All right, number six, enjoy the journey. We're gonna go fast, you're doing great. There won't be a quiz at the end, but you're doing great. I, I remember in the early days of this church thinking to myself, I, I fell into this false expectation. And maybe that's what the Lord's trying to do today. That, that somehow, that if we had more people or more money, then I love leadership, love life. You know, when there are 13 people who show up, like, you do need a few more people. And when your total income as a church is $2,000 a month, like, you're barely making it, and I'm not making light of that. 
But, but there was a day where I was throwing a little pity party back over at the cafeteria in the DC public school or where we met because it was August. I think there were 13 people that Sunday. I'm just standing in back just like, Lord, I, I, this isn't real fun right now. I'll never forget, still small voice of the Holy Spirit said, Mark, enjoy the journey. I have done my level best from that day to this day to enjoy. You gotta enjoy every age and stage, right? Don't fall into the win-then trap. It comes in dozens of disguises, right? When I go to college, when I graduate from college, when I pay off my college debt, when the government pays off my college debt, <laughs> you know, then life will be good. Uh, when, when I get a job, when I get a raise, when I get a promotion, wait, maybe it's when I retire. When we have kids, when our kids are out of diapers, when our kids go to college. No, 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 friend, I love you too much not to just shoot straight like James. You gotta enjoy the journey. Don't wait to enjoy the journey. All right, one more, we're gonna end with this. Let me invite worship team to come. Seven, you gotta prophesy your praise. July 23, 2000, you've heard it before, intestines ruptured, emergency surgery, should have died, two days on a respirator, lost 25 pounds in a week, uh, had to wear an ostomy bag for six months, another surgery to reverse it. It was the hardest year of my life. I mean, the only good, I have a scar all the way down, middle of my, I have a two-pack. <laughs> Gotta keep a sense of humor, right? I, I would never wanna go through it again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. But, but I'm gonna tell you what got me through. I started prophesying my praise. Uh, there was this song, Daryl Evans, old school. I'm trading my sorrows, I'm trading my shame, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness, I'm trading my pain, I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. I put that song on repeat. Must have sung it 417 times. You know what happened? Over time, I started getting that joy back again. And the joy of the Lord became my strength. Don't let what's wrong with you keep you from worshiping what's right with God. Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pride. Whatever you don't turn into praise turns into pain. When we talk about apologetics, we think logical, philosophical, theological. Um, can, can I just say that one of the greatest apologetics for the Christian faith is your joy. It's a joy unspeakable. Okay, we're almost done, so don't give up on me right now. Because I'm gonna tell you something, there's a difference between generic joy and the joy of the Lord. It's a joy that is anchored to a cross and the grace and forgiveness. It's a joy that is anchored to an empty tomb. That it's not over until God says it's over. First tenet of the Westminster Catechism, chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so can I just ask, how much are you enjoying your relationship with God? How much are you enjoying his word? 
well, Pastor Mark, I just, uh, I, I don't know, sometimes feels more like a chore than Christmas morning. I get it. I've been there. And by, by the way, sometimes you have to practice discipline to get to the delight. But I've been praying for you. I've been praying that this would be a house of joy. Because that is our JND. That is our just noticeable difference. I am praying, Nehemiah 8.10, may the joy of the Lord be your strength. Would you just receive it right now? I am praying, Psalm 51.12, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And I am praying, Isaiah 61.3, that God would give you the oil of joy for mourning in Jesus' name, amen.